to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm writer, filmmaker, and book devourer, Mallory O'Mara. I'm Bria Grant, actress, filmmaker, and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about literary retellings and interviewing author L.L. McKinney. But first... We're live. I've lost my mind. Yes, this is also just so people listening to this episode know we are uh, when we recorded this, we live streamed it. So it's a little bit more chaotic in the studio (laughs) than normally is. But first, I'm dying to know what are you reading, Bria? (laughs) I'm reading a book called The Last One by Alexandra Oliva. Um, it's about, um, so I started reading, so I, went, I took a little trip to the woods, a one day trip into the woods. And you this, did. this takes place, this book is about a reality TV show in which people have to go and do that thing where they go and they're like, like, what's that guy's name? Bear McKinney or something? That's not his oh, last Bear, name. Oh, uh, Bear McCreary. No, McGill. McGrill. McGrill. Because Bear McCreary. Bill Grills. Grills. I'm saying an, a composer. Yeah. Bear McCreary <laughs> is a composer. Bear Grills eat, drinks his own pee. Okay. Like, so it's like that kind of like reality, like survival show. And oh, so yeah. they follow all these people. But while that show is happening, uh, a virus sweeps the world and everyone dies except for basically this lady and she thinks she's still on a reality TV show. And she's show. like, I fucking won! And she thinks that the cameras are still following her oh, that's and things like that. And so oh, they're flashing terrible. I know. They're flashing back and forth to like the beginning of the reality show to like where she is now where she's been alone for a few weeks and but she's like still like she's convinced like all these You hor- read this in the woods? Yeah. Why all these horrible things all these horrible things are happening to her. And so she's like, she's like, well, that wolf that just attacked me, it looked mechanical. Like, so it has to be fake because they, because the show had originally done all this fake oh, stuff yeah. to them. So she's like convinced that that is what's happening. So it's a really Ooh. horrifying, like dystopian end of the world apocalypse scenario mixed with the horrible realness of reality television. Oh my God. I cannot believe you read that while you were in Idlewild. Uh, yep. Yeah. Totally did. What are you reading, Mallory? Uh, I am listening to an audiobook, The Strange Case of Dr. Cooney by Don Raphael, and it is, it's a nonfiction book. It's the, like the story of this guy and his wife who's a nurse, and they basically invented incubators. Oh, cool. But this was during a time where doctors were like, that's crazy. Just let those babies die. Everyone's Oh, incubators poor. for babies. When you said that, I assumed it was for chickens, but I don't know why. <laughs> were, incubators were originally made for babies? That's what you're well, telling me? baby incubators, okay. not like... Egg incubators. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> For like babies that are born What's prematurely. What's the difference, really? Do you even know? Babies don't need to hatch. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Laying down true sun reading glasses. I've never had children, but I'm pretty sure babies don't hatch. <laughs> okay, fair. Unless you're in a sci-fi book. Yeah, and In which case, maybe they will. Uh, but so back then, this was the time where doctors were like, just thought it was crazy. Oh, if like a premature baby was born. Yeah, they just would just let them die. Ooh. But this guy was like, no, we can save all these babies. So he had this genius idea. He put them on. And so instead of like going to medical conventions and stuff, he went to sideshows in Coney Island. Oh, yeah. So he wouldn't charge the parents. They could bring their kids to them for free to, to save them. But people were charged admission to go see all the incubators with all the babies. It's actually in my comic book. Uh, the, the baby incubators in Coney Island because oh. we have a Coney Island. Oh, that's crazy. It. Yeah, isn't, yeah. Because I thought that was really interesting because they would have these premature. They had premature babies like on display, but yeah. I didn't know that was why. Yeah, so oh, that was the only way they could get money. Yeah, uh, but it's a really it's a good audiobook. It's really interesting. It's really just like the story of his life is pretty crazy, and his wife, who was this nurse who really like kept all the babies alive. Wow, it's a really good story. And then what did they do with those babies afterwards? They became people. Like, they but, they, they, but, but did they give them back to the parents? Yes. Oh, okay. 
I didn't think something else was no, happening. No, this 30-year-old guy, like, Whoa. in this incubator. <laughs> I understand that they let them out of the incubators. <laughs> Uh, so we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback about our reading music episode. Also, first off, we have to address a grave concern here. <laughs> got a lot of feedback about this. <laughs> Folks, the capital of Nebraska is not Omaha. Not Omaha, apparently. The capital of Nebraska is Lincoln. It's Lincoln, apparently. We, we are deeply sorry. We are so sorry to all the Nebraskans out there. We have offended. Nebraskonians. Nebraskans? <laughs> Nebraskians. Nebraskians? I don't really. We're gonna, you know what? We're gonna, we're gonna have to find a book convention in Nebraska to go to a, to make amends to, to Nebraska. I'm so sorry. Um, I'm sure I said that. The person with an American Studies master's degree. I just want to point that well, out. I think we we're. I thought it was Omaha, but neither too. of us corrected, bo- and Sean didn't correct us either. Yeah, Australian. <laughs> we're blaming this solely on you. Remember, I didn't know where Chicago was for a very long time. <laughs> a very long time. <laughs> who, who can say where Chicago is? <laughs> uh, so uh, for our reading music episode, Shanna wrote in, When I write, I also make playlists, and I have a few I made for my favorite characters and books written by others. Your episode also reminded me of something not a lot of people know about. Wizard rock. Oh my. It's an entire underground genre of music dedicated solely to the Harry Potter series. And while a lot of it is super bad, it's so bad that it's amazing. You know what I mean. <laughs> I, I admit, we do. Uh, we do. Uh, I admit that I've spent my fair share of time listening to it. My favorite wizard rock band is Ministry of Magic. Look what they did. Sean, do oh, you think you they should get on that? that? Make, a, make, make some wizard rock. Is she saying that these. Um, these are made just for Harry Potter thing, like they're yeah, like they're, Harry, Potter like Harry Potter themed. Because I feel like music. Wizard Rock is a thing outside. It's of basically that. power metal, right? Okay, but Wizard Rock, this is like specifically Harry Potter themed. Um, Vanessa wrote in and said, "My go-to for reading was classical music." It's pretty easy to find stations or playlists from all sorts of sources depending on where I am and what I have access to while reading. I then moved on to instrumental rock, guitar, Buckethead, or John 5. It fit a lot better with my usual music listening and fits well with the sci-fi fantasy stuff that I read. Last year, when reading My Brilliant Friend by Elena Ferrante, I started playing music from the time period of the book. I enjoyed that very much, and it took me into the setting even more. When I read American Gods, I found a Spotify playlist someone had made for listening to while reading the book. Using music for specific books has become a fun addition to my reading life. FYI, if you're an Amazon Prime subscriber, who isn't, you have access to Amazon Music, and they have quite a few playlists for reading specific genre that's in, like, like she said, reading specific genre in parentheses. They also have playlists for different types of music for reading or studying and great ambient ambient sound playlists as well. Cool. Rad. So Amber wrote in, I definitely get distracted very easily, even while reading, so I need noise of some sort, but lyrics are also distracting. My best bet is often ASMR videos, especially those in other languages or without any words at all. It gives me something calming to listen to that I know I enjoy, but doesn't take away from the experience of the book. It's especially helpful in the break room at work. Maria Gentle Whispering and her videos in Russian are a personal favorite. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> I, ASMR videos scare the absolute no. shit out of me. I know some people love them, but when I listen to them, I'm I just feel like I'm about to get possessed. I can go down such a rabbit hole with them though, because I don't be like then I'll like listen to more things happen. Because sometimes they're just noises; they're yeah. not speaking, and I that's when like it gets that. really, really. But weird. I understand that they bring a lot of comfort to people, so I'm glad they exist. So you can always email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Quick bookmark today for me. I'm very excited. Uh, so for all the librarians listening, uh, and this is North American librarians, just 
heads up for everyone. Uh, Canada and uh, America. Uh, I don't know about Mexico. Um, uh, so you can right now. My book is available on NetGalley. Lady from the Black Lagoon is finally Ooh. up on NetGalley. Uh, and so you can request it on NetGalley. My publisher promises to send you a digital galley because they love you. So if you do love the book, uh, one of the biggest things you can do to share your love for my book and help me out is vote for my book on Library Reads. The deadline is February 1st. If you need more info, just contact me. I'll forward you on to uh, Lynette Kim, who is my library marketing person over at Hanover Square Press. She is amazing. I need more uh, info. What is Library Reads? It's some librarian thing. Okay, great. But if you want to help me and support my book, you can request it on NetGalley. And if you love it, vote it, vo- vote for it on Library Reads. It really, really makes a big difference. I would really, really appreciate it. Uh, there's a lot of big things happening with my book that I can't announce yet, but they are in the works. They're very exciting. And uh, I really so appreciate all the folks that have reached out and supported and pre-ordered and requested from the library and emailed and all the librarians and booksellers that have emailed. It means so much to me. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I want to do a quick bookmark, which is um, I did a podcast that I want to shout out to called The Process. It went up to today when we're recording this. So it went up last week um so but it's a really cool podcast where they she interviews artists and they talk about what their process is for making things so if you want to hear me talk about being a writer and a director and an actor and trying to balance all those things like that's a good place i like we really get into it yeah you folks should really go listen to it yeah i i mean i feel like all of our friends out in la does do a bunch of things but i don't know many people who do them as well as Bria does. Oh. Well, um, you get to see, th- th- you get to hear me talk about a lot of self-deprecating stuff on it and how to talk about how I shouldn't be self-deprecating. So um, it's called The Process and it's on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And our five-star review of the week is from H.M. Mead, who is reading The Psychology of Gender and Sexuality, The Denial of Death, and Rat Queens, which is like... Be my friend, HM, because clearly we have a lot of things in common. (laughs) So before we talk about literary retellings, we're going to take a quick break. In a world dominated by dude bro movie podcasts, only one podcast is brave enough to call bullshit. Who shot ya? The podcast that dares to say that white dudes' opinions aren't the only opinions. If you have a movie pass, like, get a ticket to it to support Taraji, then go home. Ant-Man seems so unnecessary at this point. Ant-Man is like a ketchup packet too many. Who shot ya? With Ricky Carmona. I wanted to see Wolverine kick ass and eat some popcorn and have a good time. Alonzo Duralde. Is this Andy Richter? Yeah! Oh and April Wolf. I love wild things because we get to see Kevin Bacon's dick. <laughs> Who shot you? Listen every Friday on Maximum Fun or wherever you get your podcasts. So this week, it's all about literary retellings. What does that mean? Should you read them? What if you've read one and you don't even know about it? So a literary retelling is basically just an old story that's told in a new way. It's retold in a different time period, in a different setting, with robots in space, with gender-flipped characters, etc., etc. It can be an old story like Beowulf or a classic fairy tale or something newer like a Jane Austen story. And in film, we might call these like a remake or a reboot. And 
in theater or in book form, a pretty famous one is Wicked. Yes. Like, so think about Wicked as a really cool retelling from a different point of view of a character, and we're all kind of familiar with that story, I think. Yeah. So I used to avoid retellings because I was one of those, like, insufferable, like, the original story is better, <laughs> like, blah, 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 sh- fucking garbage people but it's so stupid because there's so many great books that are great original retellings and plus like good old joseph campbell says in his book about storytelling the hero with a thousand faces uh so many of our classic stories are really similar like even in ancient religions they're like there's so much crossover we are literally telling the same story there's like three stories and we just tell them over Over and and over again and even the ones like that you divide and you're like it's man versus nature man versus man it's still the same story yeah so don't like I feel like if you don't want to read retellings, you're missing out on a lot of great books. And, you know, just because you want to stick with the original, like branch out. Mm-hmm. Bria, do you like retellings? I do. Um, I think it gives you a really great place to start. So you already know that story yeah. or maybe you don't. But but a lot of times the, the retellings are stories that you kind of already are, are aware of. And you know a little bit about, about the characters and I'm always interested to see how an author can take that point of view from a different character or change the story with different characters. It's like the musical chairs of the literary world. Yeah. Or it's like a cover song. You know how when you're like listening to a song and there's a song you like and then a band covers it and you're like, I already am familiar with this song. So now I'm going to get familiar with this band covering this song. It's a way to like kind of like slip in new bands on that mixtape of life. (laughs) I'm doing a lot of metaphors. But you know, I used to when I would make mixtapes for people, I'd always make sure to include like three or four cover songs because then people will be like, oh, I know Walking on Sunshine. I've just never heard this version. I don't know a cover song of Walking on Sunshine. I was just trying to think of us of like a. A song that I would put on there. I can't think of any. I can't think but of any. But, like, this is sort of, like, the cover version. Or, but not, you yeah. know. But not at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get it. So, yeah, nowadays I actually actively seek out retellings. I, like, I just think it's so cool to get a new take on a story. Especially my favorite thing that's been happening the past few years is just, like, a super inclusive take. Yeah. Because, obviously, in so many old stories, it's just, like, dudes. Yeah, dudes like and white, white people. Dudes. And and I the uh people should definitely listen to our interview cuz that's exactly what A Blade So Black does, which yes. is really interesting. Uh, so yeah, give me a gender swap classic story any day. Uh one of my favorites is Boy Snow Bird by Helen Oyeyemi. Mm-hmm. People who listen to the show know that I love Helen Oyeyemi so much. Uh, and Boy Snow Bird is like it's a wicked weird and amazing version of Snow White. It's truly weird fiction though. It's super weird. Yeah. Um yeah, and our when our guest this episode got pitched to us, and I heard that her book was basically like, if Buffy the Vampire Slayer fell down the rabbit hole instead of Alice, I was like, oh, give me that shit. <laughs> give me that shit right yeah. now. Uh, yeah, especially love anything werewolfy, so I'm always on the lookout for like Little Red Riding Hood retellings, Beauty and the Beast retellings, and short stories like uh, Angela Carter's The Bloody Chamber collection. Oh, I don't know. Uh, is amazing. It's a short story collection, and it's a bunch of like retellings of classic um, fairy tales, but like feminist and fucking fucked up and shit. Yeah, because I think the nice the, th- the thing is we all like recognize that fairy tales sometimes don't have the greatest message, and I love that people are taking them and going like, here's a message that you can get down with, but also using characters you know and love. Yes, yeah. and well, and also here are where we're like. There's so many fairy tales can be a little flat. Mm. So like, all right, I'm going to take this character that you know just a little bit about and make them super well-rounded and give them like motivations. Because let's be real. Sometimes you listen to like 
old mythology stories or old fairy tales and like you're like this doesn't make any fucking sense Mm. like this girl was walking through the woods and all of a sudden a golden goose appeared and you're like wait what (laughs) so i feel like retellings are a really cool way to like delve into that story like how did that goose get there why Mm. is she walking in the woods like was it an incubator we don't know was it born (laughs) in an incubator (laughs) maybe it's actually a baby What what are some retellings that you've read recently that you like well we both read cersei Yes. Which is a really cool retelling. We did that for the book club. People tuning in live right now because we're live streaming this probably also tuned in for that, um, which was great. And I actually don't know anything about the myth, the whole world of myths and gods and everything like that. So I kept looking it up throughout the story, which made the book really interesting because I it's like a like drop down menu. It, it was. I was like, well, what was nice is reading it on Kindle so I could actually just press the like when she <gasps> like they would underline shit i know because it would be like underlined and i click in and i'm like oh cool 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 and, like, wouldn't that give you spoilers um huh? it did sometimes actually because it tells oh, you, you like the whole god story i don't really care but it would like For me also, that would be like oh <laughs> but it's like shit like i don't know who fucking hermes is or whatever that person's name. i don't know these people's names or what You've they never did seen the animated film hercules i have not what is it good You've never yeah. seen animated Hercules? It's got some of the best Disney songs ever. I think this is out of my, uh, I'm too old. Doesn't matter. Like, you know what? I grew out, like, I'm like Little Mermaid era. That's like my stuff. You know, like, that was when I, and like, oh, Beauty and the Beast. Hercules and then by the so time good. you got to, is it Disney? Yeah. Oh, see, I didn't even know. Like, oh, once so you got good. to, like, Moana and Hercules, all those ones, like, I just, I was too old. This, like, tw- Oh, oh, like oh I don't know. Someone's between Hercules and Moana. Also, another comic book that I really like is Fables, which is a retelling oh, of, yeah. of every fable story you have basically ever known. And they mix them with fairy tales. So it's like you have both like um, uh, Rose, Rose Rat, the, the girl pricks her finger. What's that lady's name? Aurora? Is her name Aurora? And, oh, the Sleeping Beauty? Sleeping Beauty. Why? This What's is the second name? time we've had Sleeping Beauty yeah. problems on this show. So, okay, Sleeping Beauty. So you have like Sleeping Beauty. Rose Red. But there's a Rose Red in Fables. Ro- uh, Rose Red is that Stephen King miniseries. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, you have Little Boy Blue and you have, you know, um, mixed with Sleeping Beauty. So you have like all these different so things. So Sleeping together. Blue. So like, uh, like, but they'll, no, they like know each other. Like they live in the same community. Oh. And then they all live in, it mixes up. There's a farm where all the farm animals have to live because they can't live in the city because people don't want to see a walking pig. That's terrible. Yeah. So the, there's a farm where all the farm animals live with like some of the people who have done bad things. And then it's very complicated. <laughs> yeah. It's a cool, it's a really cool, cool mm-hmm. comic. Uh, so literary retailers, I think, are also a really cool way to expand your reading and also get yourself out of a book slump. Like if you're looking for new authors or looking for new genres, you you know pick your favorite fairy tale or classic story and look for a retelling of it. You know you can find a new author you like. You can you know maybe if you you know you're not you have always wanted to read a sci-fi book, but you don't know where to start. And there's a sci-fi book that's like a, a, a retelling. And you're like, oh, I love this original story, but this is in space. I can like I'm familiar with this. I can just like add some robots to it, and we'll like I could get into it. Um, It's also a cool way to get into a story you might not have originally liked. We all know a lot of classic literature, like we said, is not inclusive or feminist. It has some of it has some problems. Some of it is just really boring. Um, But you can get into a classic story you've always avoided. Uh, For instance, friend of the show, Sarah Benincasa wrote a retelling of The Great Gatsby called Great. Yep. Which, by the way, I like that original book 
But no, I, yeah, I'm it, not. No, no. But a lot of people, I feel the Great like, Gatsby, do not. do not. Yeah, some people find the Great Gatsby uh, to be like dated. You know, there's like there's so many retellings of like pieces of classic literature. So we've been we've been talking a lot about you know like fairy tales and like older stories. You know, and like like really old, like Beowulf old. But like you know, there's Jane Austen retellings. There's yeah, Great there's Gatsby so retellings. many Jane Austen there's retellings. So many, uh, so yeah. many Frankenstein retellings. Yeah. There's a lot of things like that. Yeah. So if you, it's a like, it's just a cool way to like, you could be like, oh, you know, I read Frankenstein in school. I thought it was super boring. I never could get into it. Like, find a retelling of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you can send your thoughts on retellings to Reading Glasses Podcast at gmail.com. And before we talk to author L.L. McKinney, we're going to take a quick break. Fairhaven's a hip town. Craft breweries, killer music scene. There's only one catch. The bloodthirsty monsters. Feel free to hit the deck while we lay down some suppressing fire. You're gonna kill them? Nah, these are shock rounds, so it should just knock them out. We use these on the kids after they've had too much sugar cereal. Hun, stop, we do not. He's such a jokester, this one. Anyway, hit the deck, please. Ah! Yeah! 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 Get take some! It, take it! Get some! Yeah! <laughs> oh, good job, hun. That was oh, great. Oh, you're the best. Bubble. The sci-fi comedy from MaximumFun.org. Just open your podcast app and search for Bubble. So here we are with L.L. McKinney, author of the book A Blade So Black. Thank you for coming on, L. Thank you for having me. I'm really enjoying like talking to people about the book. It's, it's a blast. Well, we're excited to talk to you about the book. So first of all, we love to ask people, what are you reading right now? Well, right now I'm reading uh, For a Muse of Fire by Heidi Helig, which is amazing. Um, and I am in love with this book and also in like self-loathe with this book where like you read something and you're like, oh my God, this is so good. Why am I even trying? So that's where I am <laughs> at this point. Oh my God, I'll have to check it out. It's really um, good. So tell, so tell us about your, your new book, A Blade So Black. Well, A Blade So Black both asks and answers the question, what if Buffy fell down the rabbit hole instead of Alice? So it's a modern <laughs> remake of, I like to call it a reimagining of Alice in Wonderland, not exactly a retelling because it doesn't follow that story's beats, but there are elements from the story and characters and the world itself that people will recognize. Amazing. Um, so did you grow up loving, uh, well, did you grow up loving Alice in Wonderland and Buffy? What, what is your background with those? I did. Um, I read Alice in Wonderland, the book, and I saw, you know, the Disney movie. Um, and I also watched, I didn't watch all of Buffy. This is like back before the days of DVR. So if you missed it, unless you caught it in a rerun, you missed it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Um, so, and I really enjoyed it. Like I was one of those kids that liked vampires before vampires were quote unquote cool. Um, so I've, I've really enjoyed both of these worlds and what they have to offer. Um, so you've crafted a kick-ass retelling and this episode is actually all about retellings. What was the writing process like, like deciding what elements to keep and which ones to change or leave out? Like, like talk to us about that. 
Well, for me, I started with what I didn't want, um, which is like a sort of, I guess, a backwards way to go about it. For instance, I knew that I didn't want to recreate the book as it was in 18 whatever, you know, when uh, Carol originally wrote it. Um, I knew that I didn't want it to sort of be this dream or this acid trip or whatever it is that people like to say, you know, this little girl is having. I wanted it to be a real place that you could go and it interacted with our world and they affected each other. Like, you know, you go to like Orlando, Florida. Well, you go to Wonderland. It's a lot harder to get to Wonderland, granted. Um, but it's a real place. So I started with things like that, with what I didn't want. And that left everything that I wanted to work with, which was the characters and the world and the potential of what all of it could mean, you know, in relation to dreams. I don't know if this is too much of a spoiler, but can you tell people how they, how people, how you get to Wonderland in the book? Or do you think that's too much of a spoiler? Well, no, it's not a spoiler. There's actually, um, the, you could get to Wonderland in a myriad of ways. Uh, what divides our world and Wonderland is something that's called the veil. So it's like a pathway between our world and the world of dreams. And it has weak points that people can cross through. Um, the very first Alice found one of those weak points, you know, and fell through. Um, mm -hmm. But as it operates now, uh, there are four gateways. There's the North Gateway, the South Gateway, uh, the East Gateway, and the West Gateway. And the West Gateway is in Atlanta, Georgia. It's in a uh, bar called the Looking Glass Pub, which is owned and operated by Addison Hatta, who is my version of the Mad Hatter. And it's, there's different uh, things like this across the world, like the Northern Gateway is in St. Petersburg, uh, Russia. The Eastern Gateway is in Japan. Uh, the Southern Gateway is in South Africa. So there's four places where people intentionally cross back and forth between the realms. I love it. I, lo I love the world building of your book. It's incredible. Thank you. Um, so do you have a favorite Wonderland character? I am quite partial to the Mad Hatter and various iterations thereof um, because it's a character that you can do almost anything with and he can look lots of ways um, or he can be she or he can be, you know, uh, non-binary. The, the character is just iconic in what, you know, sort of the aspect and the aesthetic that goes with the Mad Hatter. And I, I love that character in particular. There are other characters that I greatly enjoy, but the Mad Hatter is, is a big one. And are there any other literary worlds that you'd like to write in or any other retellings you wish you could read? Well, I love urban fantasy. Like that is, that is, my heart when it comes to science fiction and fantasy. And I love high fantasy, you know, like I love Tolkien and Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter, but there's something about a world that's parallel to ours that exists mm -hmm. in tandem with ours. Uh, sometimes it's secret, sometimes it's not. 
Um, so I, I really love those kinds of stories. And there's, I'm <laughs> surprisingly enough, I'm not really that big into retellings. Um, like I enjoyed them when they happen to coincide with other things that I like. For instance, like The Wrath of the Dawn uh, by Renee Adier um, mm-hmm. is the retelling of 1001 Nights that it just had rich magical elements and action that I enjoyed overall. You know, I didn't go after it, you know, to read it because it was a retelling. Like that's, that's not something that I actively do, but I the ones that I have come across, I usually enjoy them because they mix up fresh elements and they tell the story in a new way. Um, so tell us a little bit about your reading life. Do you have any reading quirks that you want to share with us? Um, I don't know, really. Like, I I read everything. I read all the things. Um, and I love all the things. Um... And it's kind of funny because I didn't know that genres were a thing when I first became a reader. And I didn't know that I would lead so heavily into science fiction and fantasy um, because I read to get away. And so, but I also read contemporary as well. So I guess my reading quirk is I, I like things that are surprising. I like things that... Like you wouldn't really think that you could um, come across it. Like there's there's one book that I read where this boy and this girl had to fight a magician in like Manhattan and the boy, his magic was like technology magic. Like he understood machines and talked to them. Like I, whatever, okay, fine. You know, mm-hmm. um, so th- those are my reading quirks is that if it's a little weird or what people might consider weird, then it's, going to probably like appeal to me in some way also i really like stories like i consume story through video games as well um i really like games that have lore and rich backgrounds so if i can play a game and get a story at the same time then i guess that's also how i quote unquote read without mm-hmm. involving a book at <laughs> all I, particularly the ones where you can make choices like you know, you can choose how you respond and that changes the course of the story, you know? So that that's always fun to me as well. Oh my God, I love that. G- give me, do you have an example of, of, a, of a video game like that? The Dragon Age games are amazing. Um, I have replayed all of them. I have all of them. Um, I replay Inquisition, which is the latest one now, as we wait and pray for a new one because uh, the company that like made them was going through some things right now uh, financially. So we're all just like, Oh, please, 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 please just give us another game somehow. Um, Where like, I have like a bunch of different files saved and different characters created because you know, how you make your character also affects the game. It's, it's wild that there are so many possibilities in this one little, well, it's not a little disc. It takes forever to freaking upload half the time. <laughs> Especially if there's like an update. Ugh. But anyway. <laughs> or, um, another game that I enjoy is World of Warcraft. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed it more in the past. I'm a little bit upset with them because I'm, I'm Horde and uh, my Banshee Queen, for those who are or Horde, uh, you know, Sylvanas, they're making her out to be a bad guy. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not here for that. She's like the first 
female who's able to like lead one of these vast factions and she's being pegged as this horrible tyrant. Oh no. Well, I hope that works out. I hope that works. I hope that works out. Um, so do you have any books that you like to gift to people? I really enjoy, there's a, I don't know, I like talking people into getting books as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll buy books for people. Rarely, usually I'll get them like a, a gift card um, because as somebody who gets books, I know unless I have specifically asked for it, people will guess and maybe I'll like it and maybe I won't. Unless you know me really, really well, you know, you, you, you may be able to guess what I want. Um, but I will definitely be like, here's this gift card. This book over here is amazing. If you don't like that, this book over here is amazing. Like I'll give you 10 different books as well. Like right now I'm telling everybody like for a Muse of Fire, you need to have it. It needs to be a thing that you own. Um, (laughs) you also need to own, uh, own, um, Dread Nation by Justina Ireland, which Mm -hmm. yes, it's zombies in civil war era times. Um, the bells, and and which is by Danielle Clayton. Um, the Dread Nation is. I had such a book hangover. It's not even funny. Mm-hmm. And another book that I've had a book hangover with is A Sea Fire by Natalie C. Parker, which is a futuristic like Mad Max on the open ocean type situation which i'm all about particularly because it's about like mad max fury road oh wow that sounds great um so where can people find you online and where can they buy your book they gotta go buy the book they can buy the book anywhere like they can buy it um on amazon Barnes and noble uh, on my website, llmckinney.com, under um, Order Now or under Book, there's a plethora of links for if you want to buy from like a local indie shop that you love or if you want to order it online. It's pretty much available anywhere and everywhere. Even Target and Walmart have it available. Oh, amazing. So, yeah, you can get it pretty much anywhere. Awesome. And are you on Twitter, Instagram, if people want to follow you? I am indeed on Twitter. I, I'm on Twitter a lot. I think I have a problem, but it's okay. I accept that about myself, and I still love myself very much. Um, <laughs> I'm on Twitter. Um, I'm on uh, Tumblr. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter and Instagram more than I'm on the others, um, mostly because I don't have that many hours of the day anymore um, <laughs> with you know, having to be a responsible adult. Um, and you can find all of that on my website. It's in the upper right-hand corner because I was not smart and I did not make all of them the exact same handle so that it would just be easy for me to spout one and then you get them all. No, I had to make life difficult for myself before I knew better. (laughs) Um, So yeah, if you go to my website, upper right-hand corner, you'll find all of my, um, my social media, including a YouTube channel where I upload when I stream games or if I get play of the game during Overwatch. You can see me be excited about that. Amazing. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I always love like just sort of sitting and chatting with fellow book lovers. It's always great. Obviously we do too. That's why we started the show. (laughs) All right. Thank you.
So now it's time to solve a book tech problem. Whoa. Segment crossover this week. Oh. So okay. we're a book tech problem. problem. So it's book tech and book problem Got combined. It. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so Christina writes in, my brother is having a baby, yay, and I want to make sure that the little one is set up for any books, magazines, comics, textbooks, etc. he might want straight through college. The tricky thing is they live out of state. Any useful, any tips or useful tools for tracking their wish and have lists and simplifying the whole part about getting the books to them? Bria, what should Christina do? So I just saw the coolest thing on Kickstarter that um, guest of the show, Brooke Sitgraves, linked to. It's called The Little Feminist Book Club. Oh! And they send books to whoever you choose. I, I assume you can choose whoever you want. I mean, not you know, with limits, but whatever. You know, you can choose whoever you want. Um, every month, every three months, or just at Christmas, which I think is super rad. And That's we'll link really to cool. that in the notes. Um, but I think, I think like the main thing you can do for this child as they get older is to write this offer down and let them know this is that you're willing to do this because when you get to college and you have to buy those expensive ass textbook textbooks and you're like oh my god this is going to cost me $500 or I don't know because that'll be in 20 years it'll cost you $5 million because of inflation I'm not yeah. sure how inflation works but I think it would be 5 million by the time this kid gets to college we'll be paying in like jugs it's, of water it's 45 bitcoins or whatever which or no, is like, just like a post-apocalyptic like like a dried I'm, rabbit in a <laughs> gallon you in of fi- water in a fire yeah here you go um but i think that like just being if this is what you want to do make sure they know that throughout their lives and and make sure before every holiday before birthday send them you know a letter write them a note and say like hey don't forget like i'll buy you whatever book you want whatever send me your books like let me know what books you want like when holidays are coming up and because i always like i am always great about updating my amazon wish list like right before the holidays and i know that's when people start looking at it but just a reminder that people should just remind them and and their student loan account will thank you later (laughs) because i just think like if someone had paid for my textbooks in college how much money i would have saved i think that's like the greatest offer you could ever make somebody um what do you think mallory uh, so Amazon is an obvious, easy choice for this. Uh, you know, Christina, your brother can make a wish list that you can view and buy books from. But also, let's not forget that a lot of indie bookstores can order books and ship them for you. Mm-hmm. So I would find uh, your brother's local indie bookstore um, and see if they have a wish list ordering program that you can enter your brother's address and just put your credit card information in. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. So you can go to just like IndieBound and do yeah. that. Because like, IndieBound saves your credit card information. Yeah. So, and also, you know, good old shared Google spreadsheets or, yeah. or Word document can work. You know, your brother can put in the books. You can order them from wherever you want to order books from. Um, and your brother, when they come in, your brother can cross them off the list. And then when the kid gets older, they can access the shared document themselves, whether it's a spreadsheet or just a Word document and put what they want in there. Like, in that way, you know, they don't, they just put in the title. They don't have to see how much it is and, like, you know, Things because of saved credit card information and saved addresses, you can make it really quick and easy to order them. And like, depending on, you know, I don't know if your brother lives in a city or lives out somewhere where there is no indie bookstore. So you can kind of, you know, choose wherever you're going to get your book from. But yeah, good old, good old goo. I think being the uh, the book relative is a great thing because I mean, you don't realize how much that stuff is going to add up and how much this is going to mean to this child, especially like when they're a teenager and they're like wanting to buy like weird stuff they don't want their parents to know about. You know, like being that book relative is a really cool thing. Oh man, I have a really hilarious story about that. When I was a kid, so I come from a divorced family, so my dad would take us out every once in a while and like didn't know what to do with us. So we'd like buy us some things. And he took us to the Discovery Channel store. You remember Ooh, that? Yes. And I bought a book called 
I just grabbed the only book in the store, which I didn't even realize. I didn't know what it was, but it was called the period book. Oh, I was in first grade. <laughs> Immediately. And my dad didn't know what it was. He didn't even look. He just bought me a book. But it was like, you know, it was like four kids, but it was like nude drawings of people and like how to put a tampon in. Oh, no. And I brought it to school and I got it so much trouble. I feel like that's fine for first. For, well, first grade is I mean, whatever. If you, yeah. if you if you're able to handle it at first grade, great. But yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> but bringing you got in trouble. Yeah, I wish I had a cool aunt to buy me that book instead and I explain to me weird that they're to like, not bring it to school. Do not talk about tampons in this school. Yeah. Well, the funny part was when I the, the principal came and talked to me about it, and like watching this principal try to talk to this like ten year old girl about tampons and like him being so awkward, it was so funny. That's it was great. worth it for that. Wow. But I wish I had a cool book aunt. Cool book on the cool book on you wish to see in the world. Mm-hmm. So as always, we want to thank Danielle and Kathy who are on our Facebook group and Chrissy and Rachel who moderate our Goodreads page. Remember that you can always buy reading glasses, tote bags and T-shirts and bookmarks in the Maximum Fun store. There's a link in the show notes. And if you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. We're so close to 550 reviews. We're shooting for 600. Honestly, folks, it really, really helps us get um, more bigger guests. It helps us get ads. It helps us get like more love i don't love. know everything it's, just, it's good it's really <laughs> it good for to us. Find us yeah it helps it helps people to find us it helps us reach more readers uh it really really is beneficial to us so it's a great easy free way to help out the show uh you can email us at reading glasses podcast at gmail.com find us on twitter at reading g podcast on instagram at reading glasses podcast and you can always follow along on our bookish adventures using the general hashtag reading glasses podcast thanks for listening and thanks, thanks for reading, reading. What's a mammoth? I mean, I ain't never seen one. Well, you wouldn't, said Mr. Thrale, who came around the mammoth to stand beside me, given that the last of them died several thousand years ago. He didn't look like he was kidding, but several thousand? You can't know that. That, he said, is what the magic is for. And, okay, it was absolutely the answer I deserved for sounding like I didn't think he knew what he was talking about. Sorry, I said. None of my business. I just meant to ask. No, honestly, he said. Sorry, I didn't mean to sound flip. It's why we're the Mammothium. Brown eyes, dog earnest, and either he really wasn't yanking my chain, or he was the best actor I'd ever seen, including the head of Alpar. Okay, so how does it work? His eyes lit up and he told me, in detail. Now, mind you, I didn't understand more than half of it, but I got enough to be sure it was for real, that this enormous fucking thing in front of me had died so long ago, I couldn't even begin to imagine it. Excerpt from Corambus by Sarah Manette. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.